From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, today we'll speak with a man you've probably seen on TV as a news anchor, but behind the scenes, he's fighting for his life. We'll speak with Mike Sands about his battle with cancer and how he's sharing his journey with his viewers. Hey, March is Women's History Month, so we'll have Cassandra Welch in with us to talk about the women in her life who have influenced her and helped her follow her passion for helping women in low-income families. Hey, you can join us in the conversation today by giving us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is now your talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, happy Monday. Great out there. Spring has sprung, all that good stuff. Today, we got... A great show ahead of us. We have a man. You've probably seen him on TV, particularly if you're in the Jackson area. He's a news anchor, but behind the scenes, well, actually, he's fairly open about it, too. He's in, he's in for a big fight. He's a cancer, I'd say, survivor and thriver at this point, and he's he's beaten cancer every single day, and we'll talk to him as well. Mike Sands is here. And also, of course, it's March's Women's History Month, so we'll have Cassandra Welshin in. We'll talk about a little bit the women of her life who have influenced her to help her follow her passion for helping women in low-income families. And I tell you what, she does have some incredible passion, and I think you will be incredibly moved by her story as well. Of course, you can join us on the conversation at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Sharita. Good morning. Man, what a weekend. Yeah. Now, you went to go see Get Out again. 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 For the second time. Again. Okay, was it any different the second time you see it? Why do you see a movie twice? I'm just curious. Well, I was trying to make sure there were things that I didn't miss, and I also read some reviews and analysis of the movie, so I wanted to go back and see if I could recognize those things in the second time. So. And yet, everybody in the theater around you would not shut up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was the most annoying thing. People just act like they're at home, talking to the screen, you know, saying, get out, uh, you know, yeah. it's time to leave. I was so frustrated. Okay, seriously, <laughs> when somebody sits there and yells at the screen, trying to give advice to the characters... It's ridiculous. It's like, okay. And these are grown-ups. Okay, and also, too, when somebody <laughs> applauds at the end of the movie, I mean, who's supposed to come out and take a bow? The guy running the projector? Well, they were applauding all throughout this movie. I mean, there it's were some great points movie. in it. There yeah. were some points in it where, I mean, the, the emotions just take over. It's a really good movie. It was sold out a couple times again this weekend. I think it only took him $4.5 million to make, and he's well, well over that, that amount of uh, how much money he's made off the movie Domestically, already. it's at $76 million. Yeah, I that's, think that's, that's a amazing. Profit. That's a good profit right there. So very but good. Logan came in first in the box office. I tell you what, my wife loves, 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 I'm loves. sure she does. The, you know, I mean, <laughs> Hugh Jackman is like, I mean, she would have a poster of him up in the room if I would allow it. He's so. aging well. Oh, he's aging well. Yeah. 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 So he's a skin cancer survivor, too. He's had two or oh, three. Okay. And yeah, he gets cut on a little bit. He has, of course, the claws. He can pop the claws out and carve on his <laughs> nose a little bit there. Yeah, it made $85 million over the weekend. That's amazing. That's huge. And actually, it's supposed to be like one of the best superhero movies ever made because it's really? gritty and it really catches Wolverine and who he is, mm-hmm. like a grump. 
Yeah. And so you would think people would get tired of these stories just, you know, going on and on and on. But I guess not. No, because we live in a different world where you can incorporate modern things into the movie. So it's different. So I'll go see it. Okay, yeah, I want to go see it. I want to go see Lego Batman. You were kind of uh, it was good. It It was was fun. Yeah, Yeah, there there was some adult humor in it, but the children in the movie would not know. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's kind of like the Bugs Bunny cartoons when I was growing up. You know, it was really targeted for adults, but the kids thought it was great. And that was my first time seeing a Lego movie, period. So it was good. The Lego movie, I had such low expectations for that. And I went in (laughs) and, and I still can't get the every. Everything is awesome song out of my head. It just <laughs> drives me nuts. But I, I just want to say Adele is married. Now, this is interesting because you said that she's been married for a while, actually. Yeah. And she keeps writing all these sad songs about See? terrible relationships. If I were a husband, I'd be a little bit offended. I'm like, hey, what? Come See, on. That, that's that's a it's a, a, a it's a ploy by she and Beyonce. They do this all the time. Beyonce talks about Taylor Swift to the left and yeah. all of this. And then Beyonce goes and gets pregnant with Jay-Z. She's very happy, but her yeah. songs don't reflect <laughs> these emotions. Well, that we know of. You well, never know. I mean, Taylor Swift, what well, she heard. I mean, Mayflies have longer romances than Taylor Swift does. And then she <laughs> turns around and writes about the person. Seriously, if she's coming down the street, say, hey, Marshall, you're you know, I know you're married, but if you were single, I'd go out with you. I'd run the other way. She's <laughs> It's like the Jim Cantori of relationships. There's yeah. a disaster coming right behind her. Definitely. You know, there's something that with fans, when an artist gets married, especially for men, I've heard some R&B artists say that they don't like to wear their wedding rings when they're on the stage because women can't fantasize about being with them. So it's kind of interesting when you decide to let your listeners and your fans know that I'm married or I'm, I'm not married. It kind of does change the perspective of, of some of your fans. That's something I need to remember the next time I give a speech in front of a chamber of <laughs> commerce. I'll just take off my wedding ring so the audience can fantasize about me. That's enough to get my wife to laugh. Right. If I could just get it off my finger. That's the joy of gaining about 40 pounds since I got married. It's stuck, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. Ain't going anywhere. And if it did, it'd have that nice white indention there where it had any sun. So I don't think anybody would be fantasizing over me to say the least. Arnold quit The Apprentice. Oh, did he? Yes, and it caused the president to do a tweet storm. Well, part of he was kind of busy accusing the former president of some things. But Are yeah. you surprised that Arnold quit, or did you kind yeah, of see it coming? I watched some of that last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was it was okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think a lot of people didn't watch it because they were mad about the president still being involved. And, and it wasn't really the same anyway. Mm-hmm. But it was okay. I mean, I like Arnold. I, I always will. But, yeah, he well, quit. It- but Trump said he was fired. Well, and so. President Trump said the ratings had gone down really badly since he got off. So, you know, maybe know. Trump had something to do with him getting fired. Well, it may have been one of those cases where you jump out of the helicopter before it crashes. Yeah, true yeah. that. Get out of the chopper. <laughs> Get out of the chopper. So but, I can't but, do it, boom. What do you think about these uh, the other tweets from President Trump about uh, maybe being wiretapped by President Obama? It was Okay, I'm going to put on my cartoonist hat. It was awesome. Okay. I yeah, was yeah, like, yes, this is great. But, you know, he did the, the State of the Union, very presidential sounding for mm-hmm. him. It was very smooth and very calm. And, and then it's like he found his phone at 4 a.m., yeah. And just went crazy. Without a teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, you can always tell because, like, there'll be like two or three days where they hide the phone from him and mm-hmm. then boom. He's, he's, well, I mean, some, some folks are thinking about actually looking into it. They're exploring some options to see whether or not he was, um, you know, surveillance. To- well, there's, there's two things that could happen or maybe three, but one of them is, okay, number one, it's completely a false made up story, blah, 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 nothing to it. Okay, that looks bad. Mm-hmm. The other is that actually a FISA court approved a wiretap on his stuff because there was enough evidence to think there may be something bad going on. Mm -hmm. So that's not a good option either. Right. So 
I don't know if I'd have brought it up. Yeah. But, you know, well, good, good for cartoons. Saturday Night Live is definitely capitalizing off uh, all of our uh, our political climate. I think Kate McKinnon might as well just get an Emmy right now. <laughs> yeah, I have. I found a little clip of uh, Kate McKinnon as Jeff Sessions. So Doing Forrest Gump. Yeah, we can yeah. take a little listen. I was on the cover of the New York Times. You want to see? This says you might have committed perjury. Yeah, I had a bad week. <laughs> Started out real good. President made a great speech. Folks were thrilled on account of it was real words in a row for a whole hour. <laughs> we were all as happy as a monkey with a peanut machine. Then I went to bed. I got 800 messages and phone alerts saying I was a sneaky little liar. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, so my lawyer said, run, Jeffy, run! And I started running and running. She had one where she was talking about uh, Kellyanne Conway, where she yeah. was sitting on the couch. This is my friend Kellyanne, and she has no legs, just like he did about Lieutenant Dan. Right. So that was very funny. Yeah, that was golden. Very well written. <laughs> so, yeah, you got... Okay. What's going on right now is making editorial cartoonists great again. It's making Saturday Night Live great again. It's making the news media wake up a little bit again. It's kind of, yeah. this is a golden day. And so. it's, it's an, I've seen people who are uh, looking into politics that have not before. So it is kind of raising our political awareness, at least from what I see on my Facebook timeline. Yes, on mine too. Yes, mm-hmm. people are quite, um, what's the word for it? Insane. Yeah, that's oh. it. Oh, <laughs> lordy, lordy, lordy. Well, I tell you what, I'm really excited to have a celebrity in the studio, and not often do we get. Well, we have celebrities every every week, but this one is one that um, actually I really look up to, and it's the first time I got to meet him today. So it's Mike Sands is in the studio. You've probably seen him on Fox Forty here in the Jackson area. If not, uh, you need to tune in, look online, or whatever. He's a great anchor. Moved here from the Philadelphia area down to Greenville. Man, that will give you a brain freeze. I uh, went. I graduated from Temple University after living in the city of Philadelphia for four years in May, and by that August, I was in Greenville. Yeah, the the brakes were pumped. that August in Greenville. <laughs> Let me re- back that up a little bit. You could have moved in maybe in the spring to get used to the heat. No, you decided to jump into the fire. Yeah, straight into the mosquitoes and the humidity. Yeah, and the mosquitoes in the Delta, as most people know, Their are own species. They really are. They land at the airport. <laughs> you know, they they inhale what the, the the insecticide, but did that sports reporter. Then you made your way down to Jackson. Yeah, I got a, a great opportunity with WLVT and Fox 40 doing sports. And now it's on to newsman at Fox 40 at nine o'clock. I know it. I know you're, you're just like, seriously, is that let me just make you a rock star now when you're now you're the anchor? I mean, because you're like a Wilson Stripling now. <laughs> he just tweeted uh, that I was going to be on with you. But uh, now you still go out and say, hey, you do the weather at 12, don't you? And you're like close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, I remember one time I was in the middle of Walmart and I was sitting there talking to Barbie Bassett and everybody in Walmart knew who Barbie Bassett was and not a single person knew who I was. And I was like, this is awesome. I love this. I <laughs> Got love all your shopping done. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was great. So when you were 27 years old, you had a little bit of a lump on your leg. I did. And that was a really kind of a nasty wake up call. Tell us a little what happened. Well, I noticed this little lump down on the inside of my left ankle. Yeah. And uh, I, I had no idea what it was. And uh, I went in and got x-rays. It wasn't broken. Uh, ultrasound, it wasn't a blood clot. So these tests go on, and then they say they're going to do a biopsy. And I'm still not thinking at all what it is. And the biopsy results come back, and they said... It's a malignant tumor, a liposarcoma. Okay, what is liposarcoma? Because that one was was new on me. 
a cancerous tumor as far as I know. Okay. A soft cell fatty tissue kind of deal. So it's not like, it's not in the bone, it's not in the muscle, it's just there. Right. So, uh, but they said, you know, early, this, that, and the other, everything's going to be fine. So that was reassuring in surgery. Uh, They did surgery to cut it out. It's probably about five years ago, maybe to this day. I don't know. It was about the 1st of March. Um, Radiation after that, after the wound healed up. And chemo after that, that was supposed to uh, help knock down reoccurrence rates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. That didn't work (laughs) out so well. perfect, apparently. Exactly. Well, you got to be that 1% or whatever the case is on that. So, I mean, flash forward, everything's going normal. Three days before Christmas, you get a really bad phone call. Was that about right? Uh, yeah, it was about a week before. Okay. Because, um, you know, it was kind of like an almost a half emergency trip home for Christmas, making sure I was seeing everybody. But, yeah, yeah it was the week before Christmas. Um, I had noticed this lump on my calf. It had been there, and I kind of knew what it was. And so you're not super pumped to call right. on the phone and schedule the appointment because you know how it's all going to end. And uh, I went in that day. I was mentally okay that day because I was ready for them to say, yeah, it is what you think it is. We're going to cut you open again. And I was like, all right, you know, schedule the date. Let's go. Exactly. The gut punch was uh, suddenly they're asking if I'd had any shortness of breath recently. And I'm saying, no, no. And that's when they told me it had metastasized into a spot in each lung. And that's kind of what these liposarcomas want to do when they want to get nasty they travel through your bloodstream somehow and put these little cancer spots on your lungs is like is where they like going so you're suddenly stage four (laughs) you know it's kind of weird it's like people want to well people you know the first questions people get were like well you have like lung cancer now and i'm like no it's not lung cancer and then they're like well did they catch it early and i'm like well it's not really an early or a late thing either so it's it's sometimes hard to kind of explain that, right. you know, it just kind of is what it is and it's not good. But the thing is, like, we can remove the calf with well, the thing in the calf. We can remove the, the spots in the lungs. The thing that stinks for me yeah. is I'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life, whatever indeterminate right. time that is, because they said it got into my bloodstream. And so even if we get the three spots, which they want to get and say they can get scans the rest of my life just waiting for the bad phone call yeah well i mean your goal is obviously to hang around long enough for them to figure out how to create a pill that you can take the pill and just make it go away yeah i mean we got joe biden on it right right exactly yeah so i mean lance armstrong Armstrong was on it for a while but he's kind of been busy lately i I could take some of the other drugs he took maybe yeah blood doping that'll work great Ah, yeah yeah. we're on with mike sands right now we're going to take a quick break and hey too what you want to jump in on the conversation you can give us a call it's 877 mpb ring that's 877-672-7464 this is now you're talking on mpb think radio
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, we have a great guest in the studio. We got Mike Sands. He's from Fox 40. He's an anchor there. And if you'd like to jump in on the conversation, you can give me a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. We might get around to answering it. We might not. You never know. Mike, um... The first time that this happened, this was, you know, you were 27, you were up in Greenville, you did your surgery up in Little Rock. Rock. Yeah, Little Rock, okay. And um, this time, though, you're doing it here in town. Right. Yeah, I took my uh, cancer treatment or my chemo treatments over there at the Cancer Institute. Yeah. If surgery is the next thing for me, that'll probably happen up in Philadelphia just because... You want to be close to family. When I get discharged from the hospital instead of, like, my parents being down here in my one-bedroom apartment for an indefinite period of time. Yeah, you got If I could just go to their house. It probably <laughs> might be a little bit easier for you and, yeah. and for them, too. And talk about that a little bit because you're a long way from home. And when something tragic like this or, or difficult happens like this, it's tough not to have that support group. But you've gotten another. But you've gotten another support group. Yeah, yeah. but at the same time, it was a, a lot of difficult phone calls and texts that night. Yeah. And I'm a person that doesn't really like talking on the phone to begin with. And so probably when they see me calling, they're like, what in the uh, world? Yeah, 911. So, um, yeah, it's a tough thing to say over the phone to people. Um, it was actually even harder to like tell my parents, you know, a couple of weeks prior that I was going in to get this lump checked out because yeah. I knew what it was. They knew what it right. was. They knew I knew what it was. So that one was actually a little more difficult than to tell them that this was a bit more serious than we even we thought. So yeah, and and you for those two weeks you just don't breathe. No, you really don't. Yeah. I mean it's it's tough on that. You're gonna of course, and and we talk a little bit about the support group that you're getting here. I mean I'm sitting there I'm watching TV and suddenly there's the governor wearing a wristband with your name <laughs> on it. That's 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 awesome. Yeah, I mean you got a lot of people here that are pulling for you. Um, uh, Melissa Faith Payne, my co-anchor, and uh, Mary Grace uh, Epps, our digital manager, Both of did them a great do job. They suffer from shyness. <laughs> Both of them do. They did a great job of, A, surprising me. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about it was I had some scans that day on Thursday when that video aired. Yeah. And they were kind of, like, inconclusive. It wasn't bad news. It wasn't great news. And right. it wasn't, like... I had really like news to share and me and Melissa that week had kind of talked about like, well, you know, we'll talk Thursday night and give the people an update. Well, that afternoon, like when I came in, I was like, we really don't have an update. So eh, let's just not talk about it. Well, I'm looking in the rundown and we're supposed to be running another like Trump story in there or something. And she turns to me and starts like mentioning me. And I'm like looking at her funny because I'm like, I just told you like three hours ago, we weren't going to discuss this. And then they played that video. If you didn't see it, uh, Thursday night, I think you can go to the Fox 40 Twitter page. I think it's still pinned to the top there, and it was really awesome. It would family members from back home, the governor, friends, family. It was uh, it was an awesome surprise, and I'm I'm kind of glad I was so surprised because I think that helped me hold it together yeah. some. Exactly. <laughs> so like, I think the the shock value of it was so good that uh, it helped me not be a mess out there on the set. Uh, for everybody who's curious about it, I will retweet that out on mine yeah. at Marshall Ramsey on Twitter, so you can find it as well as who's checking out your page too. And I tell you, it's 
And I've known a lot of people that have gone through cancer in different ways. And, you know, I didn't really tell anybody for a year. And then one day I wrote a column about it and people started getting their skin checked. And I realized, well, maybe I need I've got a platform here. I need to do something. It's kind of hard for you to hide it because your hair fell out. Yeah. And but I mean, you've been very upfront and very public about it. How tough is that? You know, it's I don't know if status quo is the the word to use, but it's just kind of that's me. Yeah. That uh. I'll just tell you what's going on. Right. And I, I really didn't have a choice, so I don't want to act some, like, great martyr here yeah. or something like that, you know. Male pattern baldness. It yeah. just hit me overnight. You yeah, know? you know, I saw that hairline recede about an eighth of an inch, and I just took the Bic razor out, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, you have to tell them. Yeah. You know, you can't show up and do the news wearing a hat or something like that. And uh, I'm just thankful I didn't run into too much as a child. It's nice and smooth up there, no scars or anything like that. So it's not a terrible look for me. No, it works for you. Yeah. It's, it's looking really good on radio right now, so it's really working for you. I know I would look like a Klingon, so it's like I don't. I would have to get a wig, you know, definitely something on that. Talk about some of the response that you've gotten from the community, though, because I know, and you know, in my case, when I when I made public, I heard from a lot of people that went through the same thing, and some of it was bad, some of it was good, and some people you just they wanted to, somebody to talk to. Have you gotten a lot of that? Yeah, and all platforms, uh, social media certainly helps. You know, anyone can drop me a line on the Facebook page yeah. or on Twitter. People have been doing it old fashioned way, just mailing stuff up to the station. Uh, Maggie Wade came in one day with like more cards than I could ever read from like a preschool class. That's she Maggie Wade and for stuff. you, though. Yeah. She's like your mom. She, yeah, really she just like dumped this. Thing. I swear they were like yeah. weighed ten pounds combined. So uh, yeah, people just mail stuff up to the station. They email. They call that feedback line we have and just say we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. So it it's all very good energy that I appreciate. Definitely. Sharita, you got a comment? Yeah, well, we have a couple calls. Uh, okay. Frank is in Jackson and wants to ask Mike about his diet. Good morning, Frank. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Um, to the guests, I, I feel for you. I've been fooling around with cancer, was been fooling around with me for eight years. And I'd just like to get some feedback from you. When I first, uh, I had multiple myeloma, which is uh, my blood was producing too many blood plasma cells. And part of my treatment was a stem cell transplant. They took uh, stem cells out of my blood, separated them, and treated those stem cells with high chemo and then put them back in my body. And after I did that treatment, uh, the cancer cells did not disappear, but there were so few of them, they were statistically insignificant. So I went on a raw food diet, just fruits and vegetables uncooked, for about a year. And the cancer stayed at bay, no change. Well, then I started feeling good and started eating meat and cheese, and, and I didn't think I was eating a lot. And the blood, uh, the cancer came back with a vengeance. And I had many conversations with dietitians trying to convince me that I needed to eat meat to get protein, which is a fallacy. Uh, you know, the body doesn't need protein. The body needs amino acids. I mean, the biggest creatures on earth are vegetarians, elephants, hippopotami, et cetera, et cetera. What are your doctors telling you about your diet? Because your only real defense, in my opinion, from the reading I've done, is boosting your immune system. What are your doctors telling you about your diet and what you should be doing to boost your immune system? All right. Thanks, Frank. Good question. Uh, not so much the doctors, but there are people around me telling me I need to cut out some sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I know that much. Kind of easier said than done for me, but uh, 
that's one thing that they're trying to tell me to get rid of. And I, I, I intentionally, when it started, kind of said like, all right, let me try and eat a little healthier here. Add a little more fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. I haven't been so great with it, but, uh, you know, is what it is. I was, uh, I probably drank 5 million gallons of green tea within the first <laughs> six months after my diagnosis. That's probably why I'm still here, but I also have very jittery as well on that. But yeah, I know. I remember reading that Lance Armstrong when he was, of course, when he wasn't blood doping, he was eating a lot of broccoli. It was like every meal he ate broccoli and you got to figure, okay, uh, everything with Well, if reason. that's the case, then I'll be going soon because me and broccoli do. Yeah, now. I, now if you can put some <laughs> sugar on top of the broccoli, maybe, right? Yeah, maybe so. Deep fry it, yeah. some chocolate, yeah. I don't know. Honey, honey uh, coated broccoli, yum, delicious. All right, I thought we had another caller going as well. Well, I tell you what, you've, um, you've been an open book, you've been committed to your reporting, you're still an anchor, you're still doing your job, you're still out there. I mean, that's, I mean, that's important, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's kind of a mental thing for me that, you know, it's kind of like self-celebratory, but I like, you know, when I, when I announce, you know, I haven't had missed a day of work yet. Yeah. And that's self-celebratory and, you know, patting myself on the back. But at the same time, like, that's big for me mentally. It's huge. Uh, you know, some people were like, well, are you going to go home for your treatments? And I was like, well, no, I need to stay here. Like, I have a job. I have normalcy here. Treatments only like a couple hours a week when I was doing it. So I need to show up to work. I need to, you know, I can't just sit around and be a bone. So making sure that I maintain some sense of normalcy was a huge thing just for like a mental part for me. I loved it. You tweeted out this morning show prep and you showed a picture (laughs) of the gym. So you're still working out too. Yeah, I actually would leave. So when I was taking my chemo treatments, they'd be Wednesday mornings and I would actually get out of there about noon or one o'clock or something like that and i would stroll into work that night about eight o'clock because what are they going to say oh you're tardy on the day you took you know chemotherapy in the morning so i would actually go to the gym afterwards just uh another kind of self-congratulatory thing but also just uh you know this is this is what's going to happen you know right i don't feel terrible it's not going to hit me immediately when it goes through the the chemo drugs so it's Wednesday. I go to the gym on Wednesdays, and I went to the gym on Wednesday. Wednesday. Exactly. And and you know what? I, I, you got to let your body take care of you, too. Yeah. So you got to take care of your body during all this as well. Yeah, there's no personal records being set <laughs> in right. the past couple of weeks yeah, or no months. Yeah, no PRs or, whatever, or anything. But, yeah. But you're still hanging in there. And I, I tell you, um, I like I said, I've seen this stuff. And, and I did a cartoon for you, which is probably not the greatest drawing in the world, but I mean, I put it up and a lot of people are pulling for you. And the great thing is, of course, the stations behind you, the yeah. management's behind you. You know, you talk about Maggie Wade, my gosh, you get Maggie Wade behind you. Well, there you go. You're good. She can move mountains. Yeah. So we're all pulling for you. Um, if you need to get back on talk about anything, let us know. Or, I mean, we're here for you. Uh, anytime. I was glad to come in. Man, it's good to meet you though. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity because I sit there and watch you every night. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm going through this with you, you know, sort of thing. But you know, we're pulling for you. Appreciate it. And it's always good to talk to somebody else who knows a little bit about what's happening with you. So, yeah. And it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, I know that when you're talking about waiting for the test results to come back in, you literally, I mean, I was like, my anxiety about killed me before the cancer did. I was like, (laughs) the whole time it was just nuts, but you know, Marshall, before we go to the break, uh, we have Karen on the line who wanted to talk about online research. Good morning, Karen. Hey, Karen. Hi, Marshall and Mike. Um, I have a friend who is just diagnosed with a brain tumor probably metastasized from somewhere else, but it's too early on 
to know yet. Um, the story I wanted to share with you is I told her I was researching online about this, and she said, don't do that. It will drive you crazy and scare you to death. And I think she's right, so I stopped doing that. Um, so I just want to give best wishes to everyone who's going through these battles. Amen. Amen. Because you can, yeah. yeah. You, Thank you, you, and yeah, I don't, you, I don't research. You can <laughs> Google yourself to death, basically, on that. So. Yeah. Like uh, I know, and sometimes now I tried to learn as much as I could about it, but I just, seriously because there's like all these weird things you can go into a real rabbit hole yeah. looking for stuff. So. I, I the night I was diagnosed, I left work, and Melissa asked, you know, tell me everything that happened. So I sent her like a screenshot of the thing, and she was like, "I'm googling it now." And when she called later that night, I answered the phone and I said, "How dead am I?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> am I going to make it till tomorrow? Yeah. yeah, I mean, let me know, Doc. Hey, you're throw out your social too, so people can find uh, you. Twitter is at. Mike underscore Sands, S-A-N-D-S. Uh, if you search Mike Sands Fox 40 on Facebook, the Facebook page will pop up. You do. So. You're everywhere. Yeah. You really are. You're famous. All right, Mike. Thanks. I appreciate it. Coming up next, well, we've got a, well, a pretty inspirational story as well. Cassandra Welchin will be in talking a little bit about her grandmother, the women in her life, and how that has influenced her to do great things. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. She's amazing. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I want to thank Mike Sands for coming in as well. Hey, you know what? March is Women's History Month, and we have Cassandra Welch, and I hope I got that pronounced correctly. Cassandra Welch, Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. I'm doing pretty good today. <laughs> yeah, so for right. Monday, you know how these things go. Yeah. Naturally, they give me a Monday show, so I can mispronounce <laughs> everything. But um, I, thanks for coming in. It's Thank good to you see for you. having me. Sure. Sure. And of course, if you want to join in the conversation, you can call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You had an absolutely amazing grandmother. I did. Tell us about I her because she's pretty special. She's very special. Yeah. Um, her name um, is Eva Thompson. Oh. Um, she is not my biological grandmother. Um, she actually is the woman who took in all six, um, well, my mother yeah. and her five siblings. Um, and she was their foster care mother. Yeah. And so the story begins um, just a little bit like this. Yeah. Um, my mother's um, mother was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Oh, wow. Um, and they were living in Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Uh -huh. And um, their father was working on the railroad. And so he was out, you know, taking care of his family out on the railroad. Sure. This was way back in the day. Um, and Mississippi wasn't treating TB for black patients. Wow. 
And she ended up having to leave there. And, of course, the resources down in Hazelhurst, they just weren't a lot there. So she had to leave them and come up to Mississippi for subpar treatment. So she actually moved, I mean, come up to Jackson. So she moved to the Jackson area and was going up to UMC to um, treat, I mean, to get some treatment. But they weren't weren't really treating it. And so... They, she left my mother and her siblings um, back in Hazelhurst with her sister. And her sister wasn't really kind to all six of those children. Oh, yeah. And the ages range from eight years old all the way to two years old. Oh, or two to so eight. they were really young. They were very, very yeah. young when all of this happened. And um, my grandfather would come and visit the children, and he noticed that they weren't being taken care of. Yeah. And it was during that time that he knew something had to be done, and his mother was still living, um, and she was doing the best she could, but she was well into, you know, her 70s and could not really take care of them. And I don't know all the little details, but somehow um, they did a little research, and they found this incredible woman uh, who was the first black social worker in the state of Mississippi, mm-hmm. Gwendolyn Loper, and told Gwendolyn Loper the story of these children. And the grandmother, my great-grandmother said, um, if you can help me, I would really appreciate it, but the only way I will let you take them is if you can find a home for all of them to live together and not separate. Oh, wow. And so Gwendolyn Loper, she found this woman who I know is my grandmother, yeah. Eva Thompson. Not quite sure how, how did she, she find, find yeah. her. Yeah, um, and I actually had a chance to catch up with Mrs. Loper and the whole and all of those children honored her um, about four years ago. They hadn't seen her since they were young, and we had um, another amazing social worker, um, Dr. Nellums, to put us in touch with her. And they had an opportunity to thank her and to um, to see her. Does she and live here? In, in she Pam? lives here in Jackson. She wow. still lives here um, in the Jackson area. So that had to inspire you to think about maybe possibly getting into social work. Because, it did. Because she changed, she literally did. changed your family tree. She did. She yeah. changed it. And so what happened was um, they found Eva Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gwendolyn Lopa was still very much a part of, you know, helping them with that transition. And so they moved everyone here to Jackson. Now, um, I call her my granny, uh, Eva Thompson. She was already in her 50s when she took these children in. And she was um, um, a stylist. And she worked on Ferris Street. And at that time, that's where all the black businesses were. And so she had um, a little business over there on Ferris Street. And and then she took it back to her house and had a little shop in the back of the house. And so, um, but she took all those kids in um, and there were two boys and four girls, including my mom. And my mom um, is the eldest girl. And she raised them. See, I'm sitting here trying to picture this right now because I'm 49. Uh All right, I'm 49. (laughs) And somebody knocked on my door and said, here's you some kids. I'd be like... Wow. So that just shows you what what an incredible character. Oh, my gosh. She yeah, had. Yeah. What, now what, what ballpark? What year was this that, when this was going on? So my mother was born born in 1953. So it was in the late 50s. Yeah. You know, when when all of this was was happening. Um, yeah. 
is yeah. So have really you ever incredible. really checked her back for wings in a halo? I know, right? I know. I know. It's like, gosh. We think about that often. We was like, did this woman just drop out of the sky? You know, it yeah. was really, um, really incredible. What was interesting, though, is that she never allowed them to call her mom. Really? Because she said, you have a mom. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to take that place of her. Because that's important. She moved. Yeah. So when the kids moved to Jackson, my maternal grandmother was there. And so they were able to visit her from time to time. But because she was so ill, um, it wasn't a whole lot. Yeah. And then their father, when he would come home, he would also take a trip up here to visit them um, right. as well. Um the interesting thing, though, about this story is that their mother, to get better treatment, she had to move out of the state. And so she went up to New York Okay. because her sister was living there. OK, good. She had family. She had family. Yeah, there. But she was murdered. What? Yeah. So the story just keeps going. Oh, my getting, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was murdered. She um, they don't know quite what happened other than she died in a, in a, in a house fire. <sighs> But how the story begins to unravel is that the maternal grandmother was possibly murdered. And so we're actually trying to I'm actually trying to do a little research around that. And so uh, they heard that she had died. Um, My granny um, said and with Mrs. Loper's help, got some tickets for the kids to go and be a part of the funeral. But then Mrs. Loper um, got word that, they, that the family had buried her. And so the kids never had their closure. Never got that closure. They never did get that closure. Wow. Yeah. And um, and this was, I think, I think in Buffalo, New York. Um, so it was yeah. it was a pretty, um, a pretty traumatic story on top of your mother getting sick. Right. Um, her your aunt now is abusing you. Your father isn't, you know, there to really be that buffer, you know, for you, that protective sure. for you. And now you're moving into a new place uh, with a woman you don't really know. And then you get this tragic news that your mother um, has has died. Well, that tells you a little bit about the strength of even just the fact that they all grew up without having to sit on psychiatrist couch exactly. every three minutes because that's yeah. really enough to mess any one yeah. little piece of that is yeah, enough to absolutely. mess with you. Yeah. I mean, they definitely had yeah. their struggles you oh, know, sure. throughout. Um, but Eva Thompson was so incredible and was the glue um, to really keeping them together. Yeah. I mean, just an incredible woman. Um, she had very, you know, very strict rules, you know, um, she, about how you clean, how you cook. Um, you just had all these incredible responsibilities and you right. had to go to church, you know, I mean, yeah. Oh, you, had, yeah. you know, you just had to go to church. Um, and so she really instilled this sense of security, even though she wouldn't allow them to call her mother, they called her Medea. And, but that, that was their mom, you know, that's who they looked at as, as their mom. We're going to take a quick break. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Grandma's hand clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hand played a tambourine so well. Grandma's hand used to issue out a warning. She'd say, Billy, don't you run so fast. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
tell you what, I'm glad you're back, and I think you're going to be glad you're back, too, because we are having a great conversation with Cassandra Welchlin. She's the founder of the Mississippi Women's Economic Security Initiative, but she's telling us a story about a very, very special moment in her family's life. Your grandmother, I'm doing air quotes yeah. here, um, raised your mom and her siblings, and there was something that was very special about the the fact that you were telling the story a little bit about how your 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 real grandmother yeah. died and mm-hmm. she got was murdered. I was mm-hmm. like, oof, and she got really ill, and so they literally broke the family up. Mm-hmm. But they didn't break the family up, right? Yeah, they really didn't special. break the family up um, because of my um, my granny, um, Eva Thompson. Yeah. I mean, she really was the glue to that, to really holding them together. Um, even though she was in her, you know, she was already, you know, in her fifties when she took these children in, and Department of Human Services was a part of placing, you know, yeah. that those kids in that family. But um, she really um, kept them together. Um, they had routines. They went to school. She was very firm, you know, with, and she was a tall lady. She was like six, two, yeah. you know, she was a big lady. Okay, yeah, so, you yes, know? ma'am. So, yeah. you're right. right. And they were very, you know, polite to her. But she she provided a sense of security, yes. you know, for them and a sense of place. Um, and it was it was just this really incredible story. And what what was really what's really awesome is that, you know, we lived with her up until she passed away when she was 84 years old. Wow. She never left us and we never left her. And so the children never even left the state because, again, she was their security and they also wanted to make sure that in her older age that she was well taken care of and so she raised us and it shaped you it shaped me it shaped you tell, and tell yeah. us how it shaped so, you tell us yeah. some of the things you do because you, you're pretty incredible yeah. in your own way well thank you um so so i'm the eldest grandkids yeah. out of all the grandkids i'm the eldest um and uh because of that while you know all the adults were out working. I was always at home, you know, with my grandmother in the kitchen, um, doing chores around the house as well. And my grandmother became not only the caretaker of these children, but she was the caretaker of the community. Right. She really was. So when there was um, an elderly person there on our street who didn't have family to come see them, she took it upon herself to make sure that they had food, um, that someone was there to talk to them. And so every day she would cook. And with this meal, she would cook. And I always talk about this little pot of cornbread. And every little meal, every meal came with a little pot of cornbread. And it was my job to go and take the meal to the family um, or to Miss Taylor or to Pops. Right. And I would do that. And Miss Taylor, I remember very, you know, a lot because, you know, most girls learn to braid and comb hair on a baby doll, but not me. It was Miss Taylor's because I went and combed her hair. So I learned how to braid because she didn't have anyone there to comb her hair. She had this long, flowy gray hair and she looked like she was mixed with Native American and African American. Just beautiful mm-hmm. woman. And... um and I will learn to braid her hair, braid hair with her and comb her hair. And I will have to clip her toenails. And she and, and so my grandmother, she couldn't say my name. She couldn't say Cassandra. So my name was Sanda. Oh, <laughs> so Sanda. So all the elderly folks on the on the streets call me Sanda. So she would say, Sanda, can you come clip this toenail? I was like, OK, here I am, like nine years old. Yeah. Her feet didn't smell the best. 
Her house wasn't the cleanest. Um, it smelled like urine quite a bit, but she didn't have anyone there. And I remember having to clip those toenails, comb her hair. I remember washing her dishes. And there were times when she would wet on herself and I would help her change her clothes, you know. Uh, same with Pop. I would take Pop and Pop, he had the most jokes for you. He had one eye. The other eye was just closed. But he was just a jolly fellow in the neighborhood. And so I learned how to be compassionate. Yeah. I learned how to move beyond, you know, just my own comfort zone and really learn how to give and to serve. And I wanted to go every day. You know, yeah. I want even though, you know, the house wasn't the best, but it was just the fact that, you know, it was this sense of service and this sense of compassion. And I right. really learned how to do that um, through these great opportunities that my grandmother modeled before my mom and her siblings, but also before the grandkids. And so now you're paying that forward. I am. I am. Um Part of my story, so myself, so I work with uh, the Mississippi Low Income Child Care Initiative is the name of the organization, and, and Carol Burnett and I co-founded this initiative mm-hmm. together uh, where we are putting forth a policy agenda that will shape uh, women. Yeah, we got we got about a minute left. And okay. I, you know, this is, of course, is Women's History Month, and you've you've explained, I think, it in a nutshell, mm-hmm. exactly why import, how important women's history is yes, and how yes. important women are in our lives, because you get that one person who's literally got a spine made of steel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And it changed the course of our lives. Forever. All of your lives. It yeah. did for generations to generation to generation. Yes. So what's up next for you? Um, so what I'm doing now is I am going to continue to um, be a voice of change or agent of change to really lift up the issues that impact women and children in our state and across this country. Um, you know, women cannot be ignored. We are forced to be reckoned with and we deserve um, better in this state. We cannot be ranked, you know, right. an F in this state. And so um, I've just committed my life to really making sure that life for women in this state is better um, and that their children uh, will have to won't have to grow up in the way in which, you know, um, that in, in these poverty situations. And so I'm hoping to um, pay that forward and leave a legacy that my children and generations to come can build upon. Definitely. And I mean, you consider yourself a feminist, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do. That's I, a, do. That, that's, but, but, I mean, that's a good thing. It that's is a very good thing. Absolutely. And I mean. What is a feminist? Yeah, I mean, because it, some people it, have misconceptions yeah, about it. Yeah, because you hear some people define it one way, not yeah. positively, and other people yeah. do another. You know, it really is, you know, someone who wants to advance the rights of women. Right. Um, it, that's, you know, at the core, and that women have dignity, and that you respect that, and you lift that up, and yeah. that you that's what it is. You want to advance the rights of women so that they can have, you know, um, access to opportunity and just live, you know, with dignity in this place and in this state and in this country. And so that's, you know, at its core, right. that's what it is. You see a lot of things out there I when do. you're out working. Do you feel like we're going in the right direction or we really need to step up and make some changes? So we are going in the right directions, but there's a lot of change that needs to happen. Right. Um, it needs to speed state. up a little bit. Oh, my gosh. You know, you think about what happened last week with Representative Andy Gibson, yeah. you know, who did not um, allow that domestic violence bill to come out. I can't tell you how many times when we went across the state hearing from women um, about what they need to be economically secure. We heard those stories and um, that mentality, it has to change because it sounds like you're sanctioning 
violence against yeah. women. And I so, can't yeah. remember my Facebook by, page lighting up quite like it did last week. Yes. It's pretty yes, amazing. It is. Pretty amazing. Yeah. How can folks find out more about you? Um, they could um, follow me and the oh. organization on Twitter. Okay. I'm at C. Welchlin, um, C-W-E-L-C-H-L-I-N. Um, the organization is at M-L-I-C-C-I-1. And then our website is ms um, mschildcare.org. So when you get that book written about, <laughs> about Eva, I want to get the first copy. Thank you. I mean, just, I was sitting there for, you know, about five or six minutes going, this is the most amazing story I've ever yes, heard in my life. It is. It's incredible. Yeah, we want to write that story and, and get it in the hands of social work departments all across the country. Exactly. Just to remind them why they do what they do. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. And I want to thank Sharita for producing the show. Good job. And Mike Sands for being on the show as well. Hey, coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We will be back next week. Y'all have a great week.